2: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at betterhelp.com pause for 10% off your first month. Jonathan
0: Pierce. Eric Kendall! has in and scissor kick a fan. Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And... Friends,
2: <laughs>
0: JP the mad sign of genius. and T. Good to meet you, love the
3: football friendly. Welcome to JP and T, the football friendly. Thanks ever so much for joining us again as we build up towards Qatar 20. 20- twenty two looking back at all the world cups I've commentated on with various friends we've got a special guest coming up for you. Terry, we're just over a
0: week away now aren't we? How excited are you? Very excited. Uh I wish it was in a different country, but we keep mentioning this, so I'm gonna shut up about that. And uh we should we should know the uh we should know the team soon, shouldn't we? Like even today in like a few minutes maybe.
3: Yeah, it'll come up while we're while we're recording this. So hopefully we'll be able to reflect on that. I'll still say what I've been saying since 2010 when I was live on the BBC doing the draw for the venues, that it shouldn't have gone to Qatar. Uh, there are several hundred million reasons why it went to Qatar and it shouldn't have gone there. And uh, while I'm honoured to be asked to do another World Cup, it would be my 11th. And um, I will love the football when I'm over there. Uh, I don't think in any way I'm going to go looking forward
0: to enjoy the country because I'm not. I don't think it should be there. It's a horrible but, country. You've never been? No. Oh, it's insipid. It's just like grey. It's just grey and sun and flies. That's it. I've been there several times doing gigs. It's really, well, that, it's just horrible, but yeah. you'll find out.
3: I just think the, the, the laws and the
0: restrictions are horrible. Oh, anyway. yeah, well, that's a whole different ball game. but yeah. Listen, let's welcome our
3: guest today, and we're going to be talking about 2006, the World Cup in Germany. Paul Robinson, thank you ever so much for joining us. Oh. How are you,
2: Robert? Yeah, no worries. Very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, well thanks a, for
3: being on. It's a great pleasure. It's a great pleasure. Um The England squad's going to be announced, I think, while we're doing it. But uh, the goalkeepers fairly set in stone. Are you happy with the goalkeepers?
2: Yeah, I think you know. Honestly, it's the strongest bunch of English goalkeepers after a long, a long time. Um, I think Jordan Pickford is undoubtedly the number one. Nick Nick Pope's forward has been excellent since his move from Burnley to Newcastle, and knowing him and working with him at Burnley, knowing his temperament, um he will be the number two goalkeeper. We've seen Gareth give him his opportunity uh, in the recent Nations League games. And the the temperament and the character that he's got and the ability to come off the bench, he'd just take it in his stride if he was needed to. you know, For whatever reason, if Jordan Pickford had to come off in a quarter-final, semi-final or whatever, the the type of temperament that Nick's got, he'd take it in his stride. And Aaron Ramsdale's been excellent this year. Um, I think a lot of people questioned the amount of money that Arsenal paid for him, myself included at the time. And he's proved a lot of people wrong. I think Mm. he's been outstanding. And I think to have three goalkeepers at that level, the only criticism you can make of of the... The, um, the the goalkeeper in there, if you like, is that Jordan has got the number of caps that he's got, and the two are, are in single figures still. You know the the experience they've got, but quality wise, I think they've got the best three goalkeepers they've had for a number of years.
0: Yeah, probably it? probably only Brazil can uh, have that same trouble, I would say at the moment as well.
2: Yeah, the, the, it really is a strong strong goalkeeping uh, yard at the moment.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, well,
3: so the, the, if you look at the French one in, in terms of they've got lorry's got bags and bags and bags of experience, and even Mondondo who's been around at loads and loads of tournaments, he's hardly ever played an in international. So they're a little bit lopsided. When you went to Germany in two thousand six, you were the undisputed number one, weren't you?
2: Yeah, they had a decent record going into that tournament.
3: And what was the mood like going over there uh, uh, for the World Cup in Germany?
2: It was one of expectation. You know, you' looking back, we were the so-called golden generation, weren't yeah. we? We look at the yeah. team, we look at the players um, that we had. And, you know, it's, it's difficult when you're in that situation as a player. You, you do all the media, you do all the, the lead-up to tournaments. You're asked questions in the media. You know, what do you, what's your aims? What do you think you can do? What can you achieve with this team? You're not going to sit there and go, well, well, I hope we can get a semi-final or a quarter-final. it be all right, That'd be good. You go, yeah, we look at the quality. Got, we've got an opportunity to win this tournament. We want to win the tournament. And then with that expectation grows... And I think we've always had that in this country until Gareth Southgate managed it really well when he first came in. I think he put a level of expectation and reality into people's thinking, um, and he's been he's had the opportunity now to take them to the semi-final of the World Cup, the final of the Euros. But now I think the expectation level's risen again.
3: Yeah, probably too high um, at the moment. He's under criticism, isn't he? Because he, you know, the, the stumbles they had, it, they had in the, in the summer. In when you went over to Germany, you know you, that golden generation. Yourself is Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Ashley Cole. It was, of course, Beckham, Gerard, Lampard. Little Joe Cole was there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. As well, Wayne Rooney was there. Um, but all the story, all the stories in the media back here weren't about the players. It was all this stuff about the wags who were with you. And, and the, yeah, I don't the remember any of that. that. I don't remember it. Are You' joking? No,
0: I don't. I don't really read press like that. See, I was, in, I was, I didn't travel with England,
3: as you know. We we've set this um, uh, over the last few weeks. I was travelling all around. I wasn't doing England, but even in Germany, Robert, the the press in Germany were full of these wag stories. The the it was was it distracting for you?
2: Yeah, you know, I say distracting because we were kept away from the press. You know, we we didn't get newspapers. We didn't read what was going on back in in England. You we, we were kind of kept in our own little bubble. But obviously, you get to know things by speaking to people on the phone. Social media wasn't as it was back then as it is now, obviously. Um, so the, the level of what we got to find out was was lower than obviously what was going on in this country was we didn't read the papers. But I mean, you, I look, you look back on it and it was a circus. I mean, you know, with the WAGs taking the attention away. But I think if you, you actually get to the crux of why Sven did it, you look at why England have failed previously in tournaments. England are not very good historically in playing tournament football because it's a completely different environment. You're away from your families for four to five weeks. You're in a training camp. You're living in a hotel with 40 to 50 blokes and women, you know, members of staff that you necessarily, not necessarily would choose to live with or want to be with. And you're without your family and that has different effects on people. So I think Sven, in in his defence, was looking at a way where players could see their wives, players could see their children. But I think in the way it was done and the way that they behaved and the way they carried on it backfired spectacularly. They were given far too much opportunity and access to the team and you know they took advantage of it to a level that should never have been allowed you can see why Sven did it in the first place I mean it's difficult because if you see your, your, your missus and your kids or your partner whoever you are with is the closest person if you have a bad day at the office you want to speak to them you see the missus you see the kids and then they go again it's it's a fine balance between what the the managers actually do and what access they allow the families but I think back in 2006 yeah it was a surface that was far too much access allowed and they got far too much attention yeah, I think it's, I'm not going to ask it name names, but I think
3: it's fair to say one or two families were a little bit more disruptive than other families, weren't they? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I think there's a few more families that made a lot more headlines than others, put it that way. I mean, <laughs> it, it, was, it, it was nice to have, like my mum and dad came out, my missus came out with the kids, and it, it was nice, and it was nice to have them there. But I think it was just done in a way that it wasn't portrayed well and it didn't come across well at all. <laughs>
0: So they were staying with you then? They came and stayed in the hotels with you?
2: No, no, no. We were in a hotel at the top right. of the mountain out of the way. We were right. hidden away in the training ground. They were in, basically, to, to, to give you a visual of it, we were in a, in the hills outside a little village, a town. They were in a place called Baden-Baden. And we were on the outskirts at the top of the hill. And they were like three or four miles away in this little town. Which turned into a miniature version of a beta very quickly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, I, I was honoured to be asked to do the opening game, uh, which was Germany against Costa Rica down in Munich. And what um, a game! What a game! M- yeah, my goals. Problem, my problem for this World Cup is the, the sound engineer—I'd uh, never met him beforehand—and he admitted when I first met him, which was in a beer cellar in Munich, the whole of the team was in there for the next day, and uh, he, he said, I, uh, "I've got to tell you something." He said, "I don't like football." Huh. Uh, he said, I don't like beer. And I don't like talking about either of them. And I thought, well, that's my month down the pan there. <laughs> with him anyway. So um, at 10 o'clock, he said, we've got to go. And um, the rest of the team said, are you being put to bed, JP? And I think I was. I was literally put put to bed. The game was brilliant. I mean, I was with I was Unbelievable. With, um, I was was with Mark Lawrenson. Um, you remember uh, they went ahead. After six minutes, um, Germany and Philipp Lahm, Wancher Bay scored a couple of goals, but it was wonderful to be there in that stadium in Munich. And, and of course, we were all looking forward to the next day. Um, I was based in Heidelberg and we used to travel sometimes long distances by road, but it was wonderful to have a base 'Cause previous World Cups I just travelled around, you know, one night here, one night there. We we could get back to our hotel in Heidelberg, which is a really beautiful old place. So we travelled back from Munich and and uh, all all eyes then were on Frankfurt for the next day, which was your opening day against Paraguay, Robo, and um, you were behind um Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Ashley Cole, and then the midfield was David Beckham, Gerard and Lampard, and Joe Cole, and up front was um Peter Crouch and Wayne, Ro- Wayne Rooney, I believe. So, what what were your thoughts going into that game against
2: Paraguay? No, I think it was Michael Owen, wasn't it? Because Rooney was struggling coming into the tournament. So I think oh, it was, it was Owen, Owen, I beg
3: your pardon, yeah. it was Owen, yeah.
2: Crouchy, Owen and Crouchy that started the first. Yeah. You know, Rooney was on the bench and didn't come off the bench. Um, and that was because he was obviously injured going into the tournament. Was so that you know. the
0: famous metatarsal worm? Yeah,
2: it was. Rooney didn't start again until the Sweden game, till the third game. Yeah. Um, Owen and Crouchy played the first two. Um, and then Rooney played the rest with Owen coming in and out. I think it was just uh, it was the expectation going into that game. I just remember it had been so hot on the day, um, and you know you go to a World Cup and you're, you're expected to beat a team like Paraguay quite comfortably. But then you know technically they're very good players. They've got a very good team, and playing in the heat, we're in the pressure that we're under. It was all of a sudden World Cup football doesn't seem as easy as it did when you thought about going to the World Cup and with the expectation of winning the World Cup. You realised that every game was going to be difficult. Every game was going to be hard, and I mean, it was only an own goal in the third minute. I think that we won that game one 0 by, um, and we ended up towards the end of the game holding on. Um, but it, it was good to get get off to a win, obviously.
3: Yeah, Gamara wasn't. I, I loved him as a player. I thought he was a really good player. So, uh, but I, I cheered when the ball went in when he scored the own goal after me. Yeah. And, and Argentina started well that day They beat Ivory Coast, um, and then the next day. Went to Nuremberg. My child from Nuremberg, um, I was doing Mexico against Iran. I was the first commentator into Nuremberg, which has a history, of course, from the war trials. And my opening line, we, we were told, you know, you have to be careful what language to use in commentary. And my opening line was going to be Nuremberg, a city haunted by its terrible past, but trying to use World Cup 2006 to embrace a brighter future. And I'd been in Germany in 88, and there was no no signs about the war, nothing about the war, no no recognition at all. By the time we got in 2006, for example, Nuremberg, the signage up, you could go and see where the war crimes trials, you could see where the mass rallies were. There were signs for these places, but it was part of their history. They knew it, they confronted it, they got over it. Now, that opening line, I thought, wasn't, you know, Nuremberg, a city haunted by its past. That had to go up to senior level at the BBC before it was cleared. By the time that had all taken for it to be cleared, they're walking out. <laughs> so I, I just turned around to them and they said, are you clear to use that line, JP? I said, I've already moved on to something else. And um, it, was, it was bizarre. And um, the other thing about that one uh, in the build-up to that, it was before all this, um, you know, internet stuff, you had to really... You had to really go the extra mile to research stuff. And um, because there was no internet of Iran football. So I'm trying the months beforehand, trying to get through to Iranian websites that were there, very sketchy, and other contact other people in Iran. And about the March, there was a knock on my front door. And uh, there was a. Two uniformed police officers and one non uniformed police officer. And They said, "Can we come in?" I said, "What's this about?" And uh, sat down. And um, you've been contacting various sites in Iran. Really? Yes. And we need to know what it's about. And the the one the the uh, the non-uniformed suddenly looked around. The, the two uniformed are going for it. They are going for it. Proper proper you know classic, bad cop good cop. And the un- non-uniforms looked around. He's seen a picture of me with Ian Wright on the wall, and he's gone, oh. Are you this, Pierce? And I went, yeah. And he said, are you doing a game with Iran in the World Cup? And I went, yeah. And he went, oh, that's all right. So they've had a laugh about it, apart from one of these Rottweilers who wasn't having it, just wasn't having it. We need to see a computer. And the big one's gone, no, 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 he's all right. He's all right. Can we stop and have a cup of tea and talk about football? And uh, he was a Tottenham fan, actually, Robert. There you are. <laughs> but that's my little story there. And wow. and, and on we move. Uh, did the game in Kaiserslautern, Australia, beat Japan, Jim, Timmy Cahill. Got a couple of goals. Ukraine, I did them beating, um, Spain beating uh, Ukraine in Leipzig. They looked very good at that stage, Spain. I did that Argentina game. Remember the Serbia game? Paul, you must have watched it on the telly. 24 passes in
2: one movement in 57 seconds for the goal.
3: Yeah,
1: wonderful. They
2: looked good then, didn't they, at that stage, Paul? Yesterday, never mind that long ago. I can just about remember the England games and the England fixtures and our games, never mind what happened in the rest of the tournament. (laughs) Were you allowed to watch other games, though? Yeah, I think we were. I think um, the the training schedule was pretty regimented, though. Obviously, like with all all tournaments, you're monitored 24-7. You obviously have your downtime and your free time. Um, But we were... I can't really remember gathering together as a team to watch many games but I think you obviously had your own time to watch you'd have massages so the TV's would be in the physio rooms you'd go for treatment you'd have meetings or you'd have time in your room so yeah we will have watched the games but I I can't specifically remember sitting down as a whole team to watch games
0: Messi's first goal as well in the World Cup I think
3: Yeah it was
2: it was, it was a goal. World
3: Cup for um, some good goal scoring facts uh, the original Ronaldo he he broke the record for the number of goals scored um, in World Cup finals in that in that tournament, and goal scorers were emerging. Um, had anyone taken your what had taken your eye, Terry, about that World Cup at this stage in the opening?
0: The goals, the goals were incredible, and it, and and being a uh, not quite at your standard, Paul, but being a goalkeeper especially in the German game, the first goal of the tournament, I thought that ball moves, man. And when they say the ball moves, you know, if you're not a goalkeeper and you haven't played at a certain level, when these great players can hit a ball, it doesn't It doesn't move as in a, a sort of a swerve. It hydroplanes at you. Am I right to say that, Paul? It, when people don't quite realise how that ball goes up and down and you go, whoa, whoa. So... The goalkeepers of your generation and now, I don't think people realise how good you guys really are. Because... Well, that,
2: that World Cup was famous for Adidas changing the ball. They made it like a, a one-panel ball. It was like one of them penny floaters that you used to get from the... Correct. Package, you know, yep. and them little there air floaters. It was horrible. And the outside of it was greasy. So as soon as it rained, it was slippery. So a new pair of gloves on that ball were useless. And it was they were trying to, obviously, they, you develop the game for goals. Football's about goals. You know, goalkeepers are the villains trying to stop the goals. So manufacturers and you know, kit manufacturers, manufacturers of, of footballs, they want more goals, they want to make the game more exciting. Mm. And we had to train with those balls for a couple of weeks leading up to that tournament. And they were, I can honestly say, were they were, the, they were the, the biggest change that you've ever had to deal with. They wanna say I wanna say the worst, but you at the time you think it's the worst thing because you've never dealt with it before. Mm-hmm. It's something it's a different material, it flies differently, it's a lot lighter. I mean, you remember that first game against Paraguay, I kicked when I hit the screen. Do you not remember in in the stadium? Yeah, but you know what's really...
0: I'll tell you something about that very quickly, if I may. I used to live next door, and he's still a dear friend of mine. He's uh, still Terry. And I said to him, Paul, I said, uh, did you see uh, Robbo kick the ball into the jumbotron? And he went, Terry, don't you... He meant to do that. He goes, (laughs) I know, Robbo. He goes, he meant to do that. So did you mean to do it? Was there a bet there?
2: No, do you know what? If I'm not that clever. We, you're not allowed to bet on football anyway, I know, oh, of course imagine, you're not. <laughs> you're not to bet but a you bet imagine, between your mates, I mean, not of course. I the bookmakers and saying, oh, yeah, <laughs> I've I'll, I'll a couple of grand on me. <laughs> you're not, they're going to look at you and go, no, absolutely not. But the funny thing was, the night before in training, you always train at the stadiums. And after training, you know, the, the, the lads do a few free kicks and you do a bit of what, your own training. After training the night before, we gathered under that screen and see who could hit the ball. It's who's oh. hit the screen with the ball from underneath the screen. And you can do it from directly underneath it. It was quite easy. But as soon as you got further back, the distance that I kicked it, yeah. I don't know, just adrenaline, or you know, your adrenaline was pumping during the game. I hit it from miles away, and believe me, honestly, I didn't mean to do it. We were no, it's incredible. Up. It was we incredible. Just trying to see the game out. It was a case of trying to kick it as high and far as I could.
0: It was incredible.
3: The other, the other major difference early on was, uh, apart from the ball, did you noticed the crackdown by the referees um, on reckless tackling and? Diving in particular, and um, it had a record that World Cup. Paul, three hundred and forty-five yellows and twenty-eight mm. red cards. I think that was noticeable in the early games, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think so. It was a big change. Um, mm. We seem to seem to get changes for every tournament, don't you? There's there's one thing that the referees are focusing on rather than rather than just consistency. They seem to focus on something else.
3: Well, I was, I was focused on Italy against USA in in Kaiserslautern that opening that opening week. It was a one one draw. Didn't think anything of Italy really. Uh, they led it. Gilladina got the goal, but they weren't impressive. I was more impressed a couple of days later. Spain beating Tunisia three one, and 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 then we we're, we're moving on now towards um, the England second game, um, which was um, against who? Against Trinidad was it? Yeah, Trinidad. Two late goals. Yeah, against Trinidad. And the, the change there was um, Jamie Carragher was brought in for Gary Neville. I don't know why. He can, Neville, what was that Neville
2: all about? Neville got injured in the first game, didn't he? never got injured in the first game um, and didn't play again until Portugal. So Jamie came in right back against Trinidad, Sweden. And then against Ecuador, he changed it and played Owen Hargreaves there at right back. Owen, oh, He was a star, wasn't he? Yeah, Owen. Owen was a player that Sven really liked. And I think with the system, with Gerard and Lampard, he found it difficult to get Owen in. But in the Sweden game, he changed it. He took out Steven Gerrard. He started Owen Hargreaves and, and played him with Lampard. Um, but Owen was a player that Sven Sven really liked, and he wanted to get him in the team. Oh, as an overall, for you know, looking back at it now, Sven being tactically not inept but lacking, I think you look at the modern day players now. You look at the modern day managers. You look at the formations they play. We were a case of playing four four two or four four one one and trying to get the best players on the pitch whether it was the best position for those players, whether it was, you know, you look at the modern-day managers now, you look at the way they adapt, whether they play a holding, two holding midfielders, three in behind, one. And we had players that would suit different systems, whether it be five at the back, two holding, two up front, one in behind, or two wide men, whatever. But we we were a rigid 4-4-2, and the players that we had, Beckham always played on the right, Joe Cole was on the left. And I think to an extent... Paul Scholes before that probably got a little bit fed up of being shoehorned into the left-hand side of midfield. Mm,
0: yeah,
3: Rooney came on in that game, didn't he? And and he came on. That was his uh, that was his first appearance because of the injury. And he needed a change because you didn't score until seven minutes from time against Trinidad.
2: Yeah, it struggled again. It was a hot day, um, and it was it was an opponent that we should have beaten easily. And I think Crouchy scored at seven to go, and then Gerrard scored in the ninetieth to to make it look a lot better than it actually was. We never really got going in that tournament, in all honesty. Um, we, we qualified with ease as, as we normally would do, um, as we, we historically do. And then, you know, we really struggled to get into any kind of rhythm. Um, but you felt it was coming, the performances were slowly, slowly coming. And against Portugal, where we drew and got knocked out on penalties, that inevitably was, I think, our best performance. I think with hindsight, if we could have kicked on from that, if we had the opportunity to get past the penalties, then, you know, who knows? But I think we'd have grown from that performance because we seemed to grow into the tournament because it really was a slow burner. I mean, performance against Paraguay wasn't great. Trinidad, it was probably worse. And then the Sweden and Ecuador games, none of them were convincing. I'm just, I'm just
0: going to say, when you're uh, standing in the goal and, and you're watching the play, of course, and then a the goal goes in and, you, and you, you're excited about a goal being scored, of course. But when Joe Cole took that one down on his chest, as you remember, then smashed it into that top corner, you must have been thinking, what's just happened?
2: That uh, was a great goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it, just? That was the game you know that we we're looking to win. I mean, it was obviously it ended up in a two-all draw, but Joe's finish was fantastic from that left-hand side. He just whacked it on a volley, didn't he? Right over the goal. Cracking. The this, this
3: was a Sweden game, wasn't it? Yeah, Sweden, Sweden game. Mm, yeah. yeah. But again, you had an injury problem. That Michael Owen went off very early, didn't he? So it was, you know, it was Rooney fully fit? And so it was another tournament blighted by injuries. And that that game, you you very nearly won, didn't you? Last and scored in the last seconds.
2: Yeah, and he, he left Gerrard out that game. He played Beckham, Hargreaves, and Lampard, and Joe Cole in midfield. And he left Stephen Gerrard. I mean, he, out the team, he brought him on eventually. Um, but Michael Owen went off with injury and was then proceeding to miss the rest of the tournament. Um, Rooney wasn't 100%. Um, and Crouchy, it was like Crouchy and Rooney played played the rest of that game. And then for the last two games, he ended up playing Rooney up front on his own, with Carrick in behind him for the Ecuador game and Hargreaves in behind him for the Portugal game.
3: But, but you were through, and that's always the first priority, isn't it? So what was, was it relief, or were you, as a group, worried because of this these problems you were having?
2: No, I think it was more of a, listen, we were expected to get through. You look at the group, Paraguay, Paraguay Trinidad and Tobago and Sweden, no disrespect, but you'd expect to go through as group winners. And, you know, the fact we got through, we, it was kind of, OK, right, we've done that. There was no kind of sense of achievement because it was the expectation we expected to get through that group. Looked at the next game, Ecuador, thought, yeah, no problem, we'll get through that. Look forward to the uh, the, the quarter final opponents. Um, the Ecuador game, again, didn't didn't prove to be an easy game. Didn't hit any kind of rhythm. Team was changed again. Gerard came back in with Lampard. We only had one real fit striker in Rooney. He didn't really like to play. He played Crouchy the first two games. So, against Ecuador, I think we set up two defensively, in all honesty. We had a five-man midfield. We had Beckham on the right, Joe Cole on the left, Gerard, Lampard and Carrick as a three-man midfield and Rooney up front on his own. And I think that, defensively-wise, it cost us. I mean, the, off the bench, he, was, he brought Stuart Downing on in most games. For Joe Cole, that was a, a change that he regularly made. And I think that was Aaron Lennon's uh, first or second appearance off the bench in that game when he, he was looking to try and change something. Yeah, I think that was his first, wasn't it? First,
3: He came on with about three minutes to go. Were you overall disappointed with Sven? In what way? In, in You said, uh, you know, he, tactically he was a little bit... Um, he'd grown behind the times.
2: Not necessarily. I don't think the, the, the times there... I don't think the game had evolved to what it has now. I mean, you're looking at the modern-day managers now and the way that they play, the, the, the amount of times they change a formation in the system within a game, never mind what they, they change weekly. But t- you see t- the, the formations of teams changing within a game. I just think we were very, very rigid. And with the personnel we had... It's not, you know, you look at the England team. It was a four-four-two or a four-four-one-one, and whether that, you know, that was it wasn't uncommon. That was the way that football was played in those days. Mm-hmm. And with those type of players, Lampard and Gerrard did the, the whole thing, and then not been able to play together. They probably could if they'd have pivoted, and one would have played higher, and one would have played in a deeper role, or you, you, you know, you change their roles, or you, you, neither of them were a holding midfielder, if you like, but they're having to do the defensive job. If you wanted to do that, play Carrick as in the Declan Rice role behind them and give them two more freedom going forward in a slightly wider area. And that's not, as, as in it's not a slur on Sven, but I just think that, that football in the modern way would have suited that squad a lot more. And what you said before, I've just got my television on here, Leicester midfielder James Madison is included in the England squad. Uh, should be, shouldn't he? Yeah, Definitely. I think he has to be. I think he's got that little bit of creativity and that little bit of extra that not many leaders have got at the moment. And I think if you're picking players on form with his assists, with his goals, there's nobody in better form. And by the way, he was playing in a really poor Leicester team at the beginning of the season and shining.
3: Well, his, his performance, up I did him up at Everton last week and that's the best performance by any midfielder I've seen this season in the Premier League. He, yeah. he was sensational. We'll go on to the Ecuador game in a little while, little while more um, because the comedy moment, of World Cup 2006 came on June the 22nd. It was Croatia 2 Australia 2, and the referee was an Englishman called Graham Poll, who all loved oh, him greatly. And Dario Simic of Croatia got a yellow card from Graham Poll, and then he got another yellow card from <laughs> yeah. Graham Poll. And then he got another yellow card from Grandpa. He had three yellows that day. And and <laughs> Brazil had suddenly started looking good. They beat Japan, France. I did them uh, in Toga, against Togo in in a place called Kaiserslautern. And again, um, this is the way the World Cup two thousand and six was a very antiseptic World Cup for me. Uh, traveling around, it was very very efficient. Kaiserslautern, they shut every road around the stadium, shut it down all the way out to the motorways. No one, no no people living in Kaiser could go out on those roads, those specific roads. And the, and as a result, Kaisers Latin Stadium, forty forty thousand I'd say, emptied and the roads were cleared. Everyone was back at home. Like an hour and a half, we were back to Heidelberg. It was unbelievable to see that sort of efficiency. But it was it was just a little bit cold. And in our hotel in Heidelberg, um again, uh, this was very Germanic of them at the time. Um I, my room was above the major, the main entrance to the hotel, and it was a FIFA hotel. And that was the first World Cup where I noticed the, this FIFA family, you know. There were hundreds and hundreds of them, hundreds of of car FIFA cars with smoke glass windows all over Germany. And this was a designated high-ranking FIFA hotel. My room was just above the entrance. And the FIFA guys were coming in after that game. And the, and the uh, manager of the hotel came knocking on the door, frantic knocking on the door. And, of course, we were away from home. You don't have any you – you, know, you wash your shreddies in the sink in your bathroom, and then you hang them out. And that's what I did. I hang the underwear. Yeah. On, on, most on, have
2: laundry on, services, you know. I know.
3: Well, <laughs> It's too expensive on BBC expenses. but not footballers. And uh, so I've hung mine out from the window to, to dry and uh he's come up and he's rattled on this door and he said "Ah, oh, mr pierce you have to take in your underwear and i said uh why he said it's frightening the fifa officials <laughs> so i thought about it and i thought about it and i thought no nah, i'll just leave it there and they were still hanging there when i left heidelberg for good i left my underpants behind as a uh, reminder for them that i'd been there
0: like the american flag on the moon
3: that's, that correct. That's correct. That's
0: yeah,
3: yeah. correct. Um, and yeah, then, uh, then and that- uh, on a flagpole at the front
2: of that hotel.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> Ecuador, Ecuador were done and dusted. I did Portugal Netherlands that day, um, which was that sixteen yellow card, four red cards game. It was brutal. So you beat Ecuador and on you go, Paul. Any any more news on that squad? By the way, coming in. in?
2: Uh, yeah, it's full. The full squad list is going around now. Uh, midfielders: Bellingham, Gallagher, Mount, Phillips, Rice, Henderson. Conor Gallagher's in, Rashford, Rashford's in, Foden, Grealish, Kane, Madison, Saka, Sterling and Wilson. Wilson's in, what do you think oh, of that? Yeah, listen, he deserves it, doesn't he? I think he's, he gives gives the attack something different. You look at his goalscoring record for Newcastle this year, I think the only thing, the negative thing about him is keeping him fit. We know about his injury yeah. record yeah. and it's going to be a lot of football in a concentrated time, which we don't know whether he can cope with or not. Listen, he's not going to play. He's not going to play every week. He's not going to play every game. He's going to play a bit part off the bench. If that has an effect on him with his injuries, we, you know, he has to be ready to come off the bench because he can't come off the bench and break down. You know, the amount of training is going to be very concentrated. It's going to be a level of training that he's probably not had before. He's been outstanding this season, but that's the only negative that you could think with putting yeah. him in the squad is his injury in, in such a tight time. Mm. Do you say no Tony in that squad? No, no Tony.
3: Hmm. You surprised about that, Terry? No, no Terry. You'd have seen a lot of him playing because uh, you watch a lot of non, uh, lower league football. No, I still watch
0: match of the days and keep abreast of it. I watch uh, all the stuff on the on that big channel. Um, I think Ivan Tony a phenomenal player. I don't know. Uh, I mean, to say is he is he got um, any uh, you know World Cup experience or national experiences? Some of them aren't going to have that anyway, are they? So that's a bit of a stupid thing to even think myself, I suppose. But um, I, I I like Ivan Tony. Um, but does he fit in that team as well? That's the that, the other thing. Does he fit with those players?
3: What, what I mentioned about uh, at lower league level because he was at Peterborough, he, he he was scoring so freely. He and, was
0: fantastic and, there.
3: Yeah, and he's he's developed that skill. So and fantastic. people might have seen him, Robo, as a different sort, a different sort maybe to have to come off the bench. What do you I'd think?
2: Take, I'd take him, Jonathan. I like him. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of talk about his penalties, the ability with his penalties. I think the, with a 26-man squad, with a 23-man squad, okay, you can understand. But I think he's, he's taking cover in other areas. I mean, we know the, the full-backs uh, are a problem for him, right back especially. He's taking players that aren't fully fit. Calvin Phillips just coming back. Carl Walker not played yet. Um, he's, he's looking at other areas of the squad where he probably needs more cover. I think there was room for both him and Wilson in the squad. I really do. If, especially when you see what Antonio Conte said today about Harry Kane and his fatigue.
3: Yeah, he, and he's not the only one taking injured players out though there. there were players who have had injury. France have got several who are in their squad. They've only picked 25, by the way, even though he's got players um, who are uh, are injury risks in that squad. Let's move back to 2006 and move you on, Paul, to Gelsenkirchen and, and the game against uh, against uh, Portugal. I'd done my quarterfinal, which was my last game in that World Cup. It was Italy beating Ukraine 3-0. They looked really good. Luca Toni got a couple of goals. This was a, this was the Italy that everyone now thought. Well, hang on a minute, they could go on and do something. And uh, um, but it was again, it was antiseptic that that win because Ukraine didn't really turn up on the day. And then on we go. We were watching from afar as you took on um, Portugal in Gelsenkirchen, and uh, what a day that turned
2: out to be. Yeah, funny enough, like you, Jonathan, that was my last quarterfinal of that World Cup as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, Do you know what? I think that was best performance and I think when Wayne got his red card um, he kind of brought the team together. There was a we shall not be defeated type mentality came across the team and there was a robustness. The manager changed it, brought Jamie Carragher on. Owen Hargreaves played a little bit deeper and I think defensively we were very, very good against Portugal from to the end of that game. Um, Hindsight's a great thing to say and it's a great thing to have but I think the the way that that game probably brought us together and the, the performance that we put in as a team if we had got through those penalties, I think we could have potentially gone on and done a lot better. But like I say, your auntie and, all, your, auntie and your uncle and all the rest of it. But I mean, it's it was an opportunity for us to to, to get to a semi-final. Um, and I think, you know, honestly, that was our best performance of the tournament.
3: But you had the flashpoint with the, with the famous winker, Ronaldo.
2: Yeah, that was it. And with, with Rooney's red card, a little bit of naivety at the time, probably from him. Mm. Ronaldo, very clever gamesmanship. Um, but it, as I say, it put us with our backs backs to the wall defensively. I thought we were excellent that game, um, and I think you know going through the whole of extra time uh, and, and taking it to penalties, you almost think that you've you've done it when you get to that point. You think you know we've you don't deserve to get through, but you think we've got it this far. Um, you know maybe today is our day. And going into the penalties, I was so confident because of the you know the information that you have. You I knew who was coming up and knew what order they were coming up in and you, you research their, their penalties, so you watch their last, however many penalties they've taken. There's no point in watching a player's penalty when his team's 3-0 up in the 93rd minute, because he can go anyway, You know, there's no pressure on him. You need to study a player's penalty-taking technique and his favourite side when he has to take a penalty under pressure, when it's 0-0 at 90 minutes, when he's in a shootout, and you, nine times out of 10 with a player, you, you'll find what I call their safety penalty or their go-to penalty. I knew every single player that was coming up and what their go-to penalty was. But now it's more of a mind game than ever because those players walking up knew that I knew that. Mm. So it's, do, do they stay? Do they change? They will know that you've got all that information and you've prepped yourself. Me and Ray Clemens, God rest his soul, at the time, we, we did so much work and research on the penalties. And going into that moment, I thought that was it. I thought that was going to be my moment. You know, I was, I was ready to be a hero at that point. But Ronaldo's favourite penalty—he's, you know, the go-to just just one example—the penalty that won it from the Ronaldo penalty, his go-to penalty is to whip it across the keeper, high to my right. So you're thinking, what's he going to do? And you go with your research, you go with your work, and you, you 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 don't go with your gut instinct. As he's running up, I fly off high to my right. He sticks it top left-hand mm-hmm. corner because he knew that I had that information, and it's it's a difficult one. It's it's a hard one to take.
0: And, you know and, when you, uh, sorry, Jonathan. You know it's just for just for me, really. You know when you uh, always have the two keepers go off, and then you have a little chat with the other keeper, and of course there's a bit of goalkeeper's union there. But it, <laughs> do, do you say, you can't say good luck to each other, can you? No, nah,
2: there's or, no goalkeeper's union there whatsoever. Right, you know, conversation to a minimum, and hope he misses everything.
0: Right,
1: yeah.
3: But he didn't know, did he? So, I mean, you'd have banked on either or both of Lampard <laughs> and Gerrard scoring. And
0: that's it? the irony, isn't it? Those two can't play together. And guess what? They both miss penalties.
2: Yeah. yeah. And you know, our best penalty takers in, in training were Jamie Carragher and Ashley Cole. I mean, but you, you can't recreate it. this. situation. Oh. I mean, we practice penalties every single day, at least twice a day. Sven had put you in, they'd put the players in the centre circle, he'd make them do the walk down the pitch and... You, you, at times, I'd say to him, them, tell, them, tell me which way you're going. Make it hard if you say, I won't move. Tell me which way you're going. So you have to put your penalty into the corner, that, you know into the place where you want to practice. But that walk from the centre circle, but the, the practice on the training ground, you can't recreate pressure until you're in that stadium oh, and in nice. that situation. You can practice hitting penalties all you like, but a lot of it is mentality. You, technically, you're good enough to do it. Practice what you're good at doing. But when it comes to that big moment... That you can't recreate it.
3: That, that's that's one of the arguments that people who say that at the end of a domestic cup to FA Cup, League Cup, whatever, you know, instead of going to extra time, it should automatically, always automatically be, be penalties so that players get more experience on those big occasions
2: in the big stadium. Would you go along with that? I do as well. I think extra time football is, is poor as well. I think the standard of football you get in extra time is nowhere near. You're looking at players who have played however many games in a short space of time in a tournament, and I can't remember specifically one extra time where I've gone, well, that was a great extra half an hour. I'm glad we had that.
0: Mm. Yeah. It'd be interesting that if you just went straight to penalties because that last five minutes will become like the last round then, wouldn't it? You know, yeah. you've, got, you've really all got to go for it now. Well, Jim, Jimmy Carrigan did
3: score from the spot, didn't he? I mean, he, was, he, he got it into the back of the net and then, and then it had to be retaken. Correct.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, what were you thinking then? Were you thinking, this, this, this isn't going to be our day?
2: yeah at that point you are I mean it's, it's difficult to take especially when something like that happens it's, it, yeah the penalties from as soon as we started it it didn't feel right I don't think the referee uh, Elizondo wasn't great
3: that day either right. that's, that's a different story and then of course Ronaldo pops in the winner as you say changes penalty technique 16 years later he's going to be at another World Cup what a phenomenal yeah phenomenon. it's
2: crazy crazy oh, unbelievable. I mean that's that shows you but how much the game's changed, like now it's more of a 24 7 lifestyle for the players. If you want to stay at the top of the game, you can't have a day off, you can't, you know, go for a beer in midweek and you know, think, oh, I'll, I'll relax in training on Wednesday. Now the players are more focused and it, they yeah, what they eat, what they drink. It's, it's a 24 7 lifestyle, it affects them on a daily basis at home, as well as the four to five hours that they're spending at a training ground. And for somebody of his ill and his ability to stay at that level for such a long time. You, I mean listen, there's there's good players, there's good Premier League players, but you look at how many players have stayed at the top of the Premier League all their career. There's not that many. You look at the players that stayed at the top of the Champions League, who've captained the country, who've scored the goals that he's done. It's a different level when you mm. actually break down what he's achieved.
0: That's uh that's the final for me. It's got to be it's got to be the how it's got to be the uh the coming together as an Argentina Portugal final. For just for the Messi uh, versus Ronaldo, this time round. This time round, you mean?
2: Yeah. I don't think Portugal are good enough. though. This I, time I, they, round, they've, yes. got, they've got a lot of good quality, but I just I don't think no. they've got that togetherness and the ability to get to a final.
0: It's crazy. The, the teams, though, this year. You look at the Dutch. You look at the Belgians. You look at um, you look at Argentina. You look at Brazil. It's going to be a tough World Cup this. I mean, well, there some...
3: the strength and depth of Brazil is is quite frightening.
0: And like Paul was saying, you know, that quality of players nowadays, even this next four years on, is even more scientifically, you know, with the football and sorry, the food and the drinking and the. You well, back, know. back in two, I wanted them to win
3: it back in two thousand and six. I, I I know about Ronaldo, and I know I know that you know he got Rooney sent off. But was there a school of thought you wanted them to win it as well because they'd beaten you? Then wanted them to go on, or are you thinking, no, look. Because of what happened and the way they did us, we want them to go out straight away. In the next round, they played France in the semi, didn't they?
2: I didn't watch it, Jonathan. Once once we left, they they I lost. It was it was too sour. It was too raw. I'm not the best loser at times, and you know you hate losing, especially the way that we lost. And I think it was it was worse for me after that game as well because we get you get done for random drugs test after a game. So it's either three or five of you get pulled for a drugs test. So people say, oh, what, did, what was the dressing room like after the game? What did Sven say after the game? I've got no idea because I was met by a UEFA official straight after the penalties had finished and I was put into a room and I wasn't allowed to leave that room until I'd peed into a test tube. And obviously after playing 90 minutes of football, half an hour's extra time and penalties, I was so dehydrated it was untrue. I think I didn't leave that room for like an hour and a half, two hours till after the game. I, I couldn't, I couldn't go for a week. I went back into the dressing room I think the kit man was the only one left there and my tracksuit was left in the corner and from that time on it was just all the lads were back at the hotel and I just wanted to get out of there and get away You know, when when you've lost in, in those circumstances the last thing you want to do is stick around and cheer on the team that's beaten you so we went back to the hotel stayed there that night and left early the next morning and then I think from that time just got away with the family as quick as I could and didn't pay much attention to the rest of that World Cup in all honesty
3: it was a World Cup that sort of faded when Germany got beaten in, in the semi as well by Italy, who, who now were really, I think, a lot of people's favourites. Germany, I think, deservedly got third. They beat Portugal. That was there was a lively game and there was interest in that. There was, of course, it was a World Cup for English players from England. From uh, it was a World Cup for players from the Premier League. Only six countries didn't have a player from the Premier League. You know, um, Arsenal had fifteen, Chelsea had fourteen, Manchester United twelve. And again, they're massively represented in, in 2022. So that's the way the World Cup's changed, Robbo, isn't it?
2: So yeah, exactly. much
3: influence from the Premier League. I mean, I'm
2: working for a broadcaster and I've I started doing my, my, my prep work for the World Cup. And you look at the, the players that were involved in the Premier League, that were involved in the World Cup and countries that you didn't actually realise where they were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, listen, we've, we've got the biggest and the best league in the world, financially rewarding the players, are financially rewarded the best anywhere in the world. But the strength in the league that we've got, you look at the, the teams that we've got, the quality we've got, we've got the best teams in Europe, without a doubt. When the odds for the Champions League come out every year, we've got, you know, three out of the top four out of favorites from this country. And rightly so, we've got the best product in the world.
1: It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at betterhelp.com pause for 10% off your first month.
3: Well, the world was owned by Italy that year back in 2006, and a lot of people, a lot of the, the, you know, going back to Terry Butcher in 1990, would have spoken to us on JP the Football Friendly about the World Cups that we've travelled through. A lot of them have said once they went out, they couldn't bear to watch it. Um, hmm. I came back and watched as, a, as just as a normal fan watching that game, Italy against France, Terry, which you would have done. And the great oh well, Zin- we,
0: we, I know what you're going to bring up now.
3: The great Zinedine score from the penalty after seven minutes, and then. And then craziness, Matarazzi's yep. levelled, and then and there was the incident towards the end.
0: What a way to go out, I think. But that's probably my mad comedy mind, you know. But I just think, what a way to go out with the headbutt. Yeah, the greatest player, bang, take that. What do we know? What he said in the end? So I mean, I know what the the uh, the rumours were, but something to do with his sister and, and not being very nice about his sister. But no, don't know. Do you know Robbo?
2: No, nothing, not, not a clue, but its I think it might have been uh, wherever it was, it touched the nerve, didn't it? Well,
0: the, the rumour was he called his sister a whore.
2: Well, so, there well, you go. You can understand why he reacted then, can't you? <laughs> well, I would react pretty
0: much like that as well.
3: Well, he was the player of the tournament. He was rightly given the player of the tournament, even though he was red card and people going, ooh, should FIFA, uh, player sent off, should he, should he have won the player of the tournament?
0: What a player he was. Mate, you the greatest. I, I love Zidane. I loved him. He's built like a cruiserweight, and then yes, he, flo- he just floated, didn't he? Yeah, He was it, genius it, to, to watch him live as well. I don't know if Paul obviously has played against him, but you know you'd watch him go over to the other side of the pitch when the ball was over here, and then all of a sudden the play would go over. It's like he had a sixth sense of knowing where to go. That's what I loved about him so much. Well, he he was in, he wasn't a flamboyant character, but he was a massive character on on on
3: the pitch. For club and country and Paul when you were saying there you know that the draconian way of life for footballers nowadays what they have to put up with and this and that and the regime they have to live under, I just wonder whether or not it squeezed some of the characters out And that's why I'm delighted in a way that um Madison's in that squad because I think he's a character that goes into Qatar 2022 and I, I mourn the loss of characters do you am I being unfair there
2: no, I don't think you are. I mean, you look at uh, the type of player that Paul Gascoigne was—the natural ability—and I think uh, at times the, the risk of going too deep into the, into your question. I think we coach national talent that's not natural talent out of young footballers. I think academies are excellent breeding grounds for players, but I think at times coaches risk run the risk of producing the same player, the stereotypical mm. academy footballer, rather than the actual kid off the street who's got a raw degree of talent. Who excites people? Who takes people on? Who runs at defenders rather than doing the right thing that the academy coach has told him that at times we're, we're, we're guilty in this country of producing academy robots rather than allowing a kid to have natural talent and flair.
0: I think it's fair fair point that.
2: So you're going over. You're working. Who are you working over there for? I'm going to Malaysia. I'm for Astro Sports.
0: Uh-huh. So, uh huh.
2: And what do you think? We're, how do you think we're going to get on, Paul? Ah, listen, it's it's a big ask. I think, you know, you look at the... If, it, if we were a racehorse, you'd back us to win. Previous tournament, we came third in the semi-final. Tournament before that, win the final second. So if it's a racehorse, it's a banker, surely. Um, but it's I don't think it's going to be that way. You, you talked about the teams. France, we know, are in disarray at the moment. But I think they're so strong. You look yeah. at their squad, you look at the quality they've got. France are so strong. Belgium are so strong. In all honesty, when when you look at the Euros, we haven't really played anyone. You know, yes, we played, we got to the final, it was difficult, but we didn't play France, didn't play Belgium. The Spanish team are different. You know, I think they're an excellent opportunity to to, to go far in this in this tournament. And You look at the teams in Europe that I'm talking about there, but then you also throw in the likes of Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay. There's there's a lot of talent going to this World Cup, um, and I think it'll be a big ask for England. How do you judge success if England get to the quarterfinal and lose the eventual winners? that could you know you you look back on that and is that success you know if they they play france in the quarterfinals and lose narrowly to france who then go on and win the tournament um quarterfinals finals is a realistic option for england an opportunity for to england i think and i think they have to get out the group but listen that's not going to be easy you look at the players that wales have got england wales again it's going to be a tough game um iran obviously that game should take care of itself but the usa they've got tyler adams at leeds brendan Harrison at leeds they're not going to be an easy outfit England have got to get out the group first and then it looks like they'll play I think it was is it the Netherlands or Senegal I think it was um, maybe Or in, because in the, they're in the Qataris group and they've got to get the luck of the draw um, beating around the bush do I think they've got a, a realistic chance of winning it no I don't do I think they can beat anybody on their day yes I do if they get out the group and get a look of the draw England are capable of beating any team on the day for me Brazil, Brazil will win this. I think it's 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 the time of the South Americans again. I look how strong Argentina are, I look how strong Brazil are, and I struggle to look past either of those two teams. If I was pushed, I'd go Brazil.
0: I tell you what, Ivory Coast is strong as well for an African team.
2: There's there's a few, there's five African teams in there. Yeah, yeah. They're, Nigeria will be strong. African. They always
0: are, physically strong.
2: Senegal as well, and it's the yes. unpredictability of the African
3: yeah. team. As well. yeah, yeah, Senegal. I think the, it all depends on the fitness of Mane, whether he goes or not, but. Mm. Um, yeah, well, we're coming to the end of the podcast and thanks ever so much for joining you. Just one last word, you're happy with that England squad? Is there any admissions that you, you think should have been in there?
2: I don't think so, no. I think he's he's picked well, he's picked sensibly. Ivan Toney's probably the only one. For me, Ben White's the, the one that I wanted to see in there from Arsenal. I watched him closely at Leeds and I think his versatility is huge when you go into a tournament. You know, you look at a player who's in one position was struggling in the right-back area. Ben White's played right-back all season for Arsenal. But he's also capable of playing anywhere across a back four, a back three, or holding midfield. So for me, it was important that he was included. You're still a Leeds man at heart? Yeah, pretty much. Listen, they, they give me an opportunity. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have had a career. I spent my my years in the academy there and living up here now. I live in Harrogate, which is close to the club. So there I go to a lot of the games. I've got a lot of good friends at the club. And, you know, it's, I think I speak for a lot of people, not just Leeds fans. But the Premier League's a lot better place with Leeds United in it.
3: Is there a pub called The Red Lion in Harrogate?
2: I don't frequent pubs, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, there is, there's, there's quite a few. Um, I, I can't put my finger on The Red Lion um is that one of your your homes or well
3: it? I was eating out, it's somewhere up there anyway somewhere up north but it might not have been arrogant because i was fairly fairly uh I'd had, I'd had one or nine and uh so it might have been anywhere
2: but i had a lovely night in there anyway that's why I I anyone in anyone in the country everyone must live within 10 miles radius of a red line <laughs> <laughs> well listen thanks ever
3: so much for joining us yeah, thanks, um, Paul. all the way through uh this um series of Build-ups to the Qatar. Talk about the World Cups that I've done, and with people that are the stars of them. I've always said, "Oh, that's your World Cup." Or this, you know, um, it was um, it was Terry Butcher's World Cup. He was captain of England when Robbo went home, and so on and so on. But it was a golden generation that didn't materialise for England. But Paul Robinson, four clean sheets mm. in five games. Yeah, in Germany 2000. Paul Robinson, we think this was your World Cup. Yeah. Oh, that's very kind of you.
2: Thank you very much. It's uh, it's hard to take when you look at it like that. Four clean sheets out of five, and we we, we didn't get past the quarterfinals. It's tough, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Well, you you get our you get our
3: award. You don't get anything for it, Robbo. No, no, <laughs> nothing.
2: Just our thanks for coming on. Thank Just you, you pilot very much. The red line next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wherever it is. Thanks very much for joining us, mate no worries thanks for having me
0: what a great podcast that was today with Paul Robinson very lucky to have him on uh, like us please it helps uh, and tell your friends and you can get us anywhere on any place you get a podcast also you can get us on Twitter at JP and T Football and you can direct message us and uh, we can talk about things that you'd like to talk about and
3: do you know what I think we should do before actually Qatar kicks off I think Go on. you and I should just have a natter about what's going to happen in the World Cup
0: well, we'll do that. We'll have a natter, me and you chat, and then, and then we'll pack your bag and send you on your way. And then it's going to be brilliant because you're going to be out there and we're going to be on every day doing it. So we can talk about what's happening. Thanks again to Paul Daniels. He's a uh, producer, not a magician.
1: It's magic. <laughs> a-, a podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. P group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.